0: Hey everybody, Sir Charles Carey here. I uh, just want to welcome you back to another episode of what's your come up story. Uh, if you have questions or comments, please feel free to post them because you never know what you're going to get by the guests that we have here and, um, get a pen and a paper because you may want to take some notes, something that may just resonate with you in a very particular way. So I'm going to bring up my co Let's see, there she is. And my guest. Brian Champion, uh, uh, k Fit, how you doing first and foremost?
1: Doing good, how are you?
0: Grateful, always grateful, no matter what. Uh, what about you, Mr. Champion?
2: Uh, all is well. Good, good. Uh, well, well, glad to be here.
0: Look, before I jump into anything, it's so crazy um, to have to acknowledge and admit that I took a COVID test today and it showed positive that I got COVID-19. I'm like, now I don't know if, or how, how valid the uh, home tests were, but I know they made them for a reason. And even though they may be discrediting uh, the tests, I think they work. I've taken them before. This is the first time I'm getting a positive on it, but it feels weird to quote unquote, say I have this thing, but I'm not gonna let it stop me from doing what I do. Have either of you ever been uh, diagnosed with COVID?
2: I have
1: not. But I'm, um, I'm same here. I have not, times. but I have been exposed to it several times, and you know, been lucky.
0: Yeah, I've been exposed, but this is the first time, and I'm just trying to backtrack my traces because it feels like a regular cold to me. I mean, I haven't lost appetite, uh, any of the other symptoms that they announce. I I don't seem to experience that, but um, it's weird. It's what it is, and uh, this too shall pass is what I say. So let me go to our main window and set us all up all right so there we go i'm going to bring mr champion up dr champion it's always good to work with someone of high esteem
2: thank you sir. There, my pleasure to is. be here with you
0: <laughs> absolutely so you know what we do folks we go from the past to the present and then we talk about what's happening in the future so with that being said um Brian, let me ask you first, are you from the area?
2: Uh, yes, born and raised in D.C., went to D.C. public schools. Uh, for those of you from the D.C. area, know about Coolidge Colts, class of
0: 1980. All right. All right. Well, um, what was life like growing up for you back then?
2: You know, um, for me, uh, growing up in D.C., and uh, I grew up in the Riggs Park community. Um, Went to LaSalle, uh, Bacchus Junior High, Coolidge High School. But, you know, what was so nice about it was neighborhoods were really neighborhoods. So you knew your neighbors, you knew your classmates, you knew everybody around you. Uh, It was really a strong uh, sense of community. And, uh, you know, lifelong relationships and friendships. Uh, I spent... Let's see. Last evening, I actually had dinner with two guys I went to kindergarten with.
0: Wow.
2: Yeah, we went from kindergarten to 12th grade and uh, we still remain uh, friends.
0: That's good. I've got a few friends like that myself. Most of my friends are from high school or um, church back in New York. And uh, I, I realized that they're about, I don't know maybe half a dozen of us that are still pretty close. Um, and, uh, you know, it's always good to know that some of your childhood friends are still around and that you have a good relationship with them. That's that's a, a really good feeling, you know?
2: Oh, it, it absolutely.
1: Is.
0: Oh. Huh?
1: He said kindergarten? That's really, really cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah, five I years can't old. that.
0: Look, my mom's got a friend from kindergarten that she still kicks it with. And that's crazy. Or oh, second grade, something like that. But I think kindergarten goes, that goes way, obviously way back. Man. Interesting. So did you get a lot of pushback on the name champion, like growing up in school? And were you in sports and stuff?
2: Uh, everybody wanted to try you when when you got a name champion, because you know, I was born with it. They wanted to earn it. So everybody uh, <laughs> wants to, you know, uh yeah, you're a real champion. So uh yeah, they try you. Um, I not going to say I was any star athlete or anything like that, but you know, in, at least in recreation and neighborhood ball, I could, uh, I could hold my own
1: Well, one of the things I do is make sure we're realistic in whatever we're doing. I don't do pie in the sky coaching. I'm not the type of person to be like,
0: I'm sorry. I don't know who that was. (laughs) Someone trying to come in on our frequency, but, um. So, but were you the creative type or were you the straight up academic or were you the, you know, sports? What was your thing growing up in school?
2: Well, I probably was not the high academic achiever that uh, I learned I could be, you know, being one of the boys and wanting to hang out and everything. I don't really think I put as much emphasis into, uh learning and education as i should i did enough to pass i did okay um but again you know you just kind of at that point in your life a lot of it's just about hanging out um you know you realize that you might not have time left for me or oh i can't transition my career or maybe i can't uh, get that
1: promotion that's not the case
2: yes my athlete but at the same time you know you do kind of want to spend every day after school on the basketball court or down on the football field, catching passes, and all of those types of things.
0: Okay, and when and when did you, you know, start to get the idea of being an entrepreneur? Were you in high school, college, or when did that come about for you?
2: Well, it probably first started when I was about fourteen or fifteen. Uh, me and another friend, we started a, a lawn business, and we were cutting grass. Uh, my daughter is fifteen. And she just got her first job. She's going to be working at Six Flags. So she's like excited and proud. So I told her how lucky she is because how, when I started my business, uh, me and her uncle Ron, we were cutting grass. We didn't even have, we had push mowers, the ones without the, uh,
0: motor. You have to start crank that sucker.
2: No, no. The the ones that just, you just push them. There's no more. Oh, not
0: even with a crank. Okay. Yeah. Wow.
2: And so we used to take those things and we get on our bike and we pull the lawnmowers behind us. We had two of those uh, lawnmowers. We had one at the beginning and we were cutting this one lady's yard. She was an older lady. And rather than paying us one day, she uh, said, well, if you do my grass, I'll give you this lawnmower. So we took that. So that meant we could do work twice as fast. So we we exchanged the day's pay on that day to be able to do twice as much work in the long run
0: wow that was a uh, a serious uh I guess for a teenager um if you had the wherewithal that was a serious opportunity to build upon so that was smart wow okay so you know you I know, talk about you know what it was coming up in school and you know when you got the bug for being an entrepreneur was that your only entrepreneurial endeavor as a teen or did you have other things you did also
2: now later I did try my uh, my hand in business a few times, some more successful than others, but, uh, I, I, I spent most of my adult life working in the federal government, but I also felt like, you know, one income stream was not going to, uh, make me as wealthy as I wanted to be. So I would do things like I, I, I ran a tutor, tutoring service for a while. I, I tutored math. And wow. so I had like, kids that i would uh had regular i would get uh referrals and so that was a way of bringing in additional income Uh, i tried to start a telecommunications company where we did wiring uh we would wire uh some buildings and actually had some we were subcontractors and how old were you at this point now that i was a little older in my adult life
0: Okay, okay
2: we were wiring buildings for uh DC government. Now it was another company that was the prime that was doing the construction, but we were we were running we were running all the cable in and then yes. so okay. I was subs. Yes. So I trying that for a while. So I I've tried my hand. Uh I sold women's clothes uh really? at conventions. I would have a booth at conventions and I would sell women's clothes. My cousin had a store. And so, so you've had
0: your hands in the entrepreneurial world off and on or in various capacities.
2: Yes, I've always what considered myself uh, bivocational, so okay. I, I had that main job, but I was always looking for
0: a way to have an additional income stream. We want to also uh, say hello to Linda Clark and Jose Negron. We know they're watching. Hey, guys, feel free to post comments or ask questions. They are always welcome, always. Um, Kfit, you have any questions for Dr. Champion?
1: Yes. So my favorite question, I always ask many of the guests, if you have the opportunity to have a conversation with the 18 year old you about life and adversity, entrepreneurship ism, what kind of um advice would you give 18 year old you? Wow. You know, and, life I, and I adversity, would... entrepreneurship ism, what kind of um advice would you give 18 year old you?
2: I I think that's a really good question, because I I really believe that one of the things I would tell myself is that, you know, you have options, that nobody has to put you in a bucket. Uh, And that's what so many people try to tell you. When I got ready to go to college, I had a teacher that told me I wouldn't be successful in college and that I should go to a music conservatory. I couldn't read music, so how do they feel? Like I had an ear for music, but how do you think I'm gonna succeed uh, in, in in a conservatory? But I, I did go to college, so I would say that don't let anybody uh, put you in a box. Uh, secondly, don't look at a rejection as a no. Sometimes it only means not now. So the question that you ask yourself when something doesn't go your way, what do I have to do to make it in my favor the next time? What changes do so I have to make? the question that you asked. always look at people who were successful and tried to figure out what were some of the things that made them successful? And then what did I need to do to place myself in that same type of vantage point? Right. So look at others around you. Uh, so those would be some of the things that I would share. Very
1: nice. My next question for you is, since you've had many hats in different industries as an entrepreneur, do you have any entrepreneur pet peeves you would like to share with us?
2: Um, probably every entrepreneur feels this way. Uh, you know, when you do an honest day's work that you want an honest day pay. And it just seems like there are oftentimes that people try to uh, tell you your worth. Now I will agree that you're only worth what somebody will pay you, but you also have to recognize that uh, you are worth more sometimes than some people are willing to uh, give you, and because of that, sometimes you just have to walk away and and and, and seek a better opportunity. Uh, and that's if you're being an entrepreneur or if you're working for someone else. Uh, Again, we we can't allow someone else to tell us what our opportunities are and what our options are. We have to seek as many as we can in order to find out really what's best for us. Because you don't know what you're missing unless you go out looking for something else.
1: Amen to that. That was awesome. We said I like the response.
0: Nothing like the power of no Hey Doc.
2: That's right. You know, even... I can even look back at some of my happiest moments in my life, working. I was happy on a job and everything. I would still seek other jobs because I want to know if there's something better. You know, sometimes, you know, we can talk about being happy and dumb. And and so what we still have to do is continue to seek knowledge, continue to grow, continue to see what else is out there. Uh, That's something else I would tell my younger self. Don't get stagnant. Don't think that the skills that are working for you today are going to be the same skills that you need to continue in the workforce. Sometimes you may have to take on a new product, a new project, maybe even a whole career change. But you can't allow yourself to be like blockbuster video and let the um, market change and you be unwilling to change and find yourself in bankruptcy.
0: True true it, it, mm-hmm. i've been wanting to ask you what's your doctorate in
2: it's in educational leadership
0: wow that's powerful yes oh. she's the kind of people i hang out with k fit
2: i see i see <laughs> well you know i just want to give a shout out to uh jerome murphy who connected us together uh, yes i have heard of you and i i think we've traveled in the same circles but the introduction formerly hadn't been made into jerome murphy made that introduction for us i want to thank jerome murphy uh for that because uh i think you're about to see some things happening between sir charles and brian champion in the near future uh and uh you know it's it's some exciting times ahead of us
0: yeah i look forward to it man It, it has been uh great getting off to a good start because of uh uh, Mr. Murphy. And I'm looking forward to some of the projects that we're planning and, and working towards myself. Absolutely. Amen so, to that. so now, you know, I know you worked in the government. Um, now you still are on your entrepreneurial grind because you're still working in a particular vein of education, of leadership, of teaching, of expanding the minds of other people like myself. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yes, so um, since leaving the federal government, I took on a uh, adjunct faculty position at American University where I work with um, the key leadership executive program. And we look at developing uh, government leaders, leaders who are already in place in the next generation of government leaders. So there's a real strong commitment to developing that workforce of public servants. But I also uh, have a company, my own company, which is uh, Team Champion, LLC.
0: Yeah, tell us about that. Yes,
2: we do executive coaching and organizational development. So we look at organizations and we we know successful organ- successful organizations are healthy organizations. And how do you become healthy? And, and, and what and what K- is
0: healthy, actually?
2: Well, I think healthy in its biggest point is where every employee brings their best self to work every day. So at the end of the day, if your government, if your education, if you are private industry, regardless of it, you have a bottom line where you're trying to empower people, you're trying to get people to be entrepreneurial, you're trying to get them to think outside the box, you want them to be creative. But people don't bring any of those skills to the workplace. If they feel that the workplace is toxic. If they don't Mm -hmm. feel safe, if they don't feel desired, if they don't feel valued. So we help organizations develop cultures around that.
0: I have a question for you. Also, when you get finished with your uh, summary there.
2: Oh, no, no, go right ahead
0: yeah linda Clark was asking what was your biggest hurdle getting started
2: um one of the biggest hurdles is so i had two hurdles that that really i would say one is uh don't take on more work than you can handle sometimes what we do is we we get offered a project or we get offered an opportunity and it's you know so let's take it one step at a time in small chunks, right? That is uh, one of the things. The second thing is, how do I partner with others so that I can build a clientele? Mm. You know, who knows Brian Champion? Maybe a small subset knows Brian Champion. But then there's another subset that knows Sir Charles. And when Brian Champion and Sir Charles partner, Uh, And maybe we offer some of the same things, but maybe we offer some different things. And once we begin to collaborate with one another, we find ways to build a bigger, better and stronger network. And And, 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 the
0: network is key. And and the thing is, a lot of times people think because well, I I speak on communication, I speak on communication, too. Well, we can't be on the same platform. There is a truth to this, and you probably have experienced this. We may share some of the same tips, topics, or points of view, but because we have a different voice, and I don't mean speaking voice, a different approach, it's going to reach people in a different way. And for some people, the same thing may be maximized by hearing you speak on it and then hearing me speak on it. And a lot of other entrepreneurs in our industry don't realize it's okay to have two leadership speakers or a speaker that speaks on the same thing. Um, and then we had a question from Sharon Parker. She says is healthy based on how large of an organization you have meaning members, but I think you said that it's, uh, bringing your best self to work every day. Is that right? Is that what you mean?
2: Right. Because at the end of the day, uh, organization wants to be successful. They want to be effective. They want to be efficient. They want to be productive, right? And that's what healthy organizations do. When organizations have uh, a culture where people don't want to work, where they don't want to come, where they regret getting out the bed in the morning, where they don't want to meet with their co workers, where they're avoiding um, taking on stretch assignments, or they're afraid of making mistakes, you never reach, you never achieve those high results,
0: right? Because those people literally need to be shown how to learn in some cases and other cases, some of those people need to be empowered, then you get a shift. Am I right about it?
2: Absolutely. I mean, I think we all can think of a time where we didn't feel we we're in an organization, and we didn't feel comfortable asking a question.
0: Yes, guilty. We were
2: either afraid that we were going to be made fun of. We were going, we were afraid that somebody was going to ridicule us for not knowing something that they expected us to know. But the reality is, is that by not asking the question, we left that meeting still not knowing. I would rather somebody ask the question and leave with information. That's what healthy organizations allow you to do. It makes you feel comfortable saying, okay, let me ask this question. It also makes you feel comfortable to do the wrong thing.
0: We're talking about questions. We have another question, too. Uh, Coming from Jose, he says, how do you deal with people who don't share your vision or your goals?
2: Well, in many cases, I would say that there's two things that allow us to have alignment and get shared vision. One is sometimes we have to be willing to be empathetic. We have to be willing to listen to the other person, understand their perspective and their point of view, because maybe we're not as far apart as we think we are. But also, oftentimes to get someone to feel comfortable sharing their life with you or sharing their values with you, you have to be willing to be vulnerable. Yeah. So you have to be willing to say, You know, um, I've made mistakes in my life, or this is what I need from you. So I'm dependent on you. Sometimes, uh, have you ever worked with someone that won't say thank you? They won't say they're sorry. These are things that help connect us. And when we find ourselves connecting with people, we also find ourselves now having a better opportunity for having a relationship of success.
0: Yeah, that's great. I I even have to work on that in my personal life, you know, so that's just keeping it real and being very transparent. And I think that the key is, is not that you have it all together, is that you're willing to work towards getting it all together. Well, that's tweetable, as Oprah would say. (laughs)
2: Yeah. So, all right. For those of you, he told you to get your pen out. There's takeaway number one.
0: Right. Let me see if I can remember it now. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so question for you is there an area in your business where you feel you could be doing better right now
2: you know you always are looking for opportunities to do better uh i would like to have the opportunity to reach more people uh COVID in so many ways of being harmful to so many of us has also provided opportunity i was not doing the um virtual type of uh, presence that i that i do now that does allow me to touch people and reach out to people that i wasn't uh touching and reaching before and so we have to be really open to having a mindset that we are ready to try platforms that we really aren't comfortable with because, um, opportunities out there, but we can't have like this mindset, this closed mindset that doesn't allow us to take risk or to try something different and new.
1: I was going to ask you that next. So I was going to ask you, has the pandemic affected your business negatively or positively, but it sounds like you're pretty much wrapping that up saying that, you know, it's been a blessing low key.
2: Well, you know, it had it had its negative points. Uh when March came across in 2020 and I got those calls saying, "Hey, all of your events for the next two weeks are canceled." And I'm thinking, "Okay, it's a two-week halt and we're going to be back at it in a few weeks." No, that I didn't get any work for 8 months. So it was definitely a negative, but during that 8 months what I did find is some opportunities. I did some free webinars, uh, lunch and learns, things like that. Realizing that people from, I'm in Washington DC and I got people from France and Hawaii logging into my webinars. And all of a sudden I start thinking very different. I published a few articles on how to um, survive during the pandemic, how to keep a positive mindset. I published a few articles. And then I also had another blessing that was going on. Uh, I was doing a show on uh, WBGR. Some of you may be familiar with with that network. And it was called My Brother's Keeper. And it was a weekly show. And it still allowed me the opportunity to reach an audience. And that audience was increasing uh, during the pandemic. I remember we did a seven-week series on dealing with this whole pandemic, looking at uh, a time for change, a time for focus, a time for meditation, a time for developing relationships. So we did this seven-week series, really dealing with that. And I believe from that, when I did start working again, I found a new, um, new base. New audience. Uh, yes, a very, a very new audience that I didn't have before the pandemic. So opportunity came out of it. but. You have to keep moving. I could have just sat still and complained about all of the things that were taking from me, not looking at all the things that were being given to me. When pandemic came, I thought to myself how I kept saying to myself, I don't have enough time to do this. I don't have enough time to do this. All of a sudden I had time. So how was I now going to utilize that time to benefit and maximize myself in the way to do things that I hadn't done before spending? time with my daughter uh spending uh time writing spending time read learning you know a lot of times we are so busy executing that we're not feeding ourselves with new and more knowledge
0: true that i can
2: definitely agree with that too what you're saying
0: wow for sure what other questions do you have k fit
1: Sure. My next question for you is more of a statement where you complete the blank. I begin the sentence you you ended in the best way you feel fit. So it is this life, liberty, liberty, sorry, and blank. So that's life, liberty and blank. Whatever you feel that
2: blank should fit. Life, liberty, and I guess the natural thing that's supposed to come out of my mouth is justice, but I'm going to say enjoy. Uh, Joy is something that we have to make sure we find time to have in our life.
0: You know, so funny you say joy, life, liberty and joy. Um, I know this part of my life, my common phrasing and it aligns with joy is gratitude. You know, I tell people all the time that I'm grateful when they ask me how I'm doing or how things are going. I say I'm grateful because I always know that it could be going worse. I always know that someone did not wake up this morning. I always know that I have an opportunity where others may not always know that because of the way I was made, I can always come up with something in the drop of a hat. Now, whether it's successful or not, doesn't matter so much in the beginning It's about nurturing it and formatting it and, and, you know, breathing life into it. So I use grateful as my kind of like my daily standard. And even though I've heard it for years, I just started a gratitude journal where every morning I get up and I write in longhand what I'm grateful for. You know, I try not to repeat the same things, but sometimes I guess it's okay. And I do it just to remind myself to be humble because so many of us have things that others they would literally kill for. You know, what I mean, I talked one time about maybe about two weeks ago. But the fact of just having clean water, running water. How many countries don't have running water for sanitation, for cooking? And that's something to be grateful for, you know?
2: That's so true.
0: Yeah. Amen. What other questions you got, K Fett?
1: Sure. So my next question is Do you ever feel you missed your calling, that there was something else you were destined to do more than anything else?
2: You know, I, I I don't think I missed my call. I believe my calling was to help people. And I've spent so much of my life uh, trying to find ways to do that. Uh, that's why I became a counselor. That's why I really studied organizational development, educational leadership. I studied those things uh, to uh, help people. That's why I became a teacher. Now, I will say this, and and, and, and if anybody's on the line that knows me, they'll say, oh yeah, he missed the calling. My father was a preacher and he was a Methodist minister. And when I was growing up, everybody thought I was gonna fall in his footsteps. People would say, oh, I see the calling on your life uh, to, to preach. And I would say, you know, they say, I see it in you. I said, no, I look like my daddy. You see my daddy in me. <laughs> was called to preach and i inherited the look but i do believe that god gives us and gifts us with things uh and just because we are gifted with talents really often does not so whatever talents god gives us we have to find a way to align those gifts our calling because people will tell you i think you'll be good at this and i think you'll be good at that and they may be true and you may be but if that's not the calling on your life, then you're not going to be the best at it that you can be. And while I uh, I have a lot of minister friends, and I really admire the work that they do, and I feel like um, what can I do to help them? I can be a supportive layman, uh, you know, continuing to push, you know, the ministry of God. But I don't have to be a preacher to do it. But I, I, I feel that we're called to be a brother to one another.
0: Linda Clark says, it's just a different pulpit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, and that's true. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, yeah, you know, uh, and but that's the point too. Everybody's not gonna come into the church. Yeah. So how do you meet people where they are? And yeah. so that means that we have to maybe meet them in the workplace, we have to meet them in the rec center uh, and, and all of those things and not just be single focused on how we are going to meet people
0: straight up. Meet them in the world, man. That's it.
2: That's right.
0: One on one or one on some. It just, you know, you know,
2: and you know, and I tell people this too. I mean, you know, all of us have a life that, you know, we have things that we wish maybe we didn't do or that. We say, if I had a chance to do it over, I would do it different but I also say that God gave us those experiences so yeah. that we can relate to somebody else who has those experiences. So we so we should never be ashamed of any <clears> mistakes <throat> we've made or any wrong that we've done. We need to take it with joy and be proud of it because your personal testimony is what somebody else needs to, uh, you know, get over the hump. And that's why you tell my come up story. That's my story. You have your story, but somebody needs to hear that story. And as a uh, men and African-American men in particular, we are ashamed sometimes to tell our story.
0: I um, have no shame in my game. I tell people like it is, that's the way TI is because that's where TI was, you know? I mean, I think part of, as you're saying, part of the helping is being transparent, you know? so let me ask you this who would you say inspired you in the work that you're doing now
2: you know i i would say a lot of people and, and it's really interesting how uh people come through come through your life you know we've all had teachers and we've had uh people who have been um mentors or that we've watched but then also sometimes people come through for just a minute right have one conversation with you but will um, make a difference in the way that 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 you look at your um your future I'm very thankful to uh Reverend Michael Green who invited me to be on his uh talk show my brother's keeper I did that with him for three years and wow. During that time, we did a weekly show for three years. I felt me grow so much. And that was so much of a developmental piece <clears throat> to getting me out of what I was doing. I'm thankful for a boss that I had that didn't wanna speak in public and would ask me to make all her presentations. And by putting nice. her put out there, uh, she helped me get, you know, comfortable uh, with this. And so, you know, it's it's, just so many people I could say uh, thank you to. Um, you and I also had a conversation, and I know you and uh, Dr. Willie Jolly are very close uh, friends and have collaborated, and how uh, he and I met and, and his wife, and they we all just happened to sit at a table. And this is how blessings go. I filled in uh, for someone that day who was scheduled to be there, couldn't be there, and they asked me if I could fill in. So here I get this opportunity to meet Willie Jolly and his wife. And uh, during that conversation, the two of them pouring into me, just giving me little tidbits and advice and knowledge. Yeah, man. Very appreciative. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't buy that. It was just, it was just ordained that we would be at that table uh, together. And I'm very appreciative of, of that. And he may and may not remember who I am, you know, because that's who he is. He's giving those to everybody. His wife may not remember who I am, but you know, sometimes we just have to say thank you to people who have, <clears throat> you know, poured into us. Um, and the way we often say thank you back to them is by pouring into someone else.
0: I call those lessons from the greats, man, I, and you know, actually, in my um, keynotes, a lot of time I uh, share some of the people I've learned from, some people I've worked with. And I'll say to people, I'll say, you know what I do when I'm around them? And I get quiet and I let the audience, you know, try to give me an answer. And I know they probably don't know what I mean or where I'm going. I said, well, what I do when I'm around the greats, I shut my mouth. I listen, I watch. I watch how they interact with me and others. I watch how they interact with the audience. I'm in full learning mode. I don't care how long I've known them, I'm observing. And that's one of the joys of learning. It's not always in the formal setting. Sometimes it's observational learning. And you can't, you know, you just, you know, it doesn't get much better than that. So you mentioned one of the people, was it Michael Green? Yes. Now you said that being on the show for three years you were able to learn a lot and are you talking about from uh audio visual behind the scenes learn in what way
2: well you know as a speaker you know you you want to get comfortable with your craft and have new material week after week to be able to respond to questions that people send in and have you know those were just some some growth moments to uh learn how to um be engaging without an audience right i mean and and that was you know you're sitting in a studio and there's nobody in the studio just the two of you and maybe you got 200 people on maybe you got a thousand people but you don't know if you got their attention or not right you know, i'm used to this public thing of being able to feed off the crowd
0: and yeah.
2: based on how the crowd was responding i could switch up and change but those were some things that I believe prepared me for the time we're in now with all this virtual and distance, um, engagement,
0: right? I can dig it. No doubt. What you got K fit.
1: What are some of your weaknesses as an entrepreneur if you would like
2: to share? I think my biggest weakness is the weakness that I think many people share. Uh, but, often don't acknowledge, I don't know what I don't know. And what we think is sometimes we we know more than we do. And so we respond to things or we we make suggestions, we do things and we're going down the right path. What I have tried to do because I don't know what I don't know is to surround myself with people who know the things I don't know, who I, I as, um, so Charles said, you know, watch, observe, learn. See how others act. Um take in the lessons. We 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 we're never at a point in our life where we know it all. And so we have to be in that continual learning mode. Surround yourself with people you trust. Right. People who not only want to do good, but they want good for you.
0: Yeah. And you know, one I think That no,
2: is That's a way that I try to address my knowledge weakness of not knowing what I don't know.
0: Yeah. And I think one of the biggest things is, you know, you learn in the beginning of most craft, you know, you're trying to learn or figure out how to do it. And, you know, you dot all the I's, you cross all the T's and you're watching and you're trying to do, and you know, you want to look good doing it, sound good doing it. And then a shift comes in your life where it's not so much about how you deliver, but how are you able to help people? And I believe that's when the magic happens because you know it's not about you. You I know earlier in my career because I like to dress, it was all about what suit I'm gonna wear, how I'm gonna accessorize it. Yeah, I wanted to look fly doing it. And I mean, that was with music as well as with speaking. And then in both arenas, there came a point when it really wasn't about how good I looked doing it or executing. It came to be about, how well am I pleasing my audience with with song and with speaking? Are people really getting the message? Am I really able to make the eyes roll up in their head and cause them to think and really understand the importance of the message in the moment? So that's the real reward for me.
2: Uh, absolutely. And and in an engagement, what you want is to know that somebody is going to feel that they're in a better place because of the engagement we just had right then they were before the engagement you know Absolutely. did i give you a tip that you think works in your life did i uh, make you think about doing things different uh did i make you want to learn more all of these things are are very uh important for us to look at and sometimes you will um you never know who you impact yeah but you always have to be prepared to impact someone yes and um as you've probably seen you know uh somebody will stop you in the mall or in the library and say oh yeah i was there when you did this that and the other and you know, this is what, and so you just say, "Well, thank you." Now you don't know them, you don't remember them, but you recognize that you had an opportunity to impact change.
0: Yeah, and man, I remember speaking at a graduation, like- and a guy I knew, you know, just in passing, said, "Hey, man, you spoke at my daughter's graduation, Sir Charles, right?" Radiate the brain. I was like, "Yeah, I don't remember seeing this guy. I don't know his gra- his daughter, and but because he knew, saw me, and remembered me." that opened up an opportunity. So I was able to put books in his store, for example, you know? I was like, wow. You know, I mean, and I wasn't seeking that, but we developed a relationship and uh, it went deeper. And uh, you know, you get things that you don't expect to get, you know, so um, that was just an eye-opening opportunity. So, yeah. I have have another question for you, Doc. Sure. what keeps you going in life? I'm taking a note out of Kate Fitz's book. What keeps you going in life?
2: Um, the biggest thing that probably keeps me going is family and relationships with with people and family. Uh, that's very important to me. It's important to me to have positive, healthy relationships. I talk about it in organizations, but also I push it in my own life that I'm having healthy relationships. And that's how you can have a relationship from kindergarten until the present day. Um, because again, healthy relationships are win-win. Yeah. those are sustainable relationships. Whenever one person is benefiting and the other person isn't that relationship has a end date on it. It's mm. just a matter of time before I don't care if it's a, a, a marriage, a friendship, a work relationship, as soon as the person finds a way to get out of that relationship where they're not getting what they want and need, they're leaving. So in mutually beneficial relationships, both people are able to feel that, yeah, this benefits me. I get some and you get something and we both and it's not compromising. It's 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 it's, it's when you um. It, it's it's when you really co collaborate.
0: Yeah. Collaborate and compromise, right?
2: Right. And even in compromising some, sometimes we compromise too early. Sometimes we, we, we can collaborate and I can get everything I want and you can get everything you want, but sometimes we're so quick to reach agreement that we begin to compromise. And so I said, well, I'll give in on this and you give in on that. So I got some of what I want, you got some of what you want, but we both are missing on something. How about if we work it a little harder, so I don't have to give up anything and you don't have to give up anything and we both and that's where you know meaningful long term uh successful relationships uh begin.
0: That's the and real deal like right it. there
2: they 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 just begin there and they continue to nurture themselves and grow,
0: yeah, I think that's the real deal right there because. A lot of people are afraid, in my opinion, they are afraid that by compromising, they're giving up themselves or giving up a a part of them. And it's only fair or right if you really think about it in any relationship, business or personal, you might have to give in on a point or preference over um, what someone else wants because... It's not about just you. It's about you and them. But you don't want to do it, compromise, too soon, as you say, and only find out there's still something missing. So if you compromise at the right time, first you got to learn the person from a business or personal level. And once you learn, you need to know where you both want to go, what are your expectations, and then you need to know how do we get there? And what do we do? We need to give up anything to get there.
2: You know, and that, that's that's so true. You know, and, and it's funny because knowing, you know, taking that empathy and understanding what somebody wants is so important because I may be saying to myself, I want to give this person an award, right? Um, when, when I was in the workplace, we used to give what we call performance awards. So we had a choice of giving them money or time off. And oftentimes, we would give people money. Somebody said one time, who doesn't want money? Right. Well, everybody doesn't want money. Some people would prefer to have time off. Just asking them the question and getting the answer, then giving it to them, it it, it doesn't make a difference to you financially, if it's time off or if it's financial. But the point really is, is that just by giving somebody something they want, Yeah. Makes a difference. So true. And that's why it's really important to get to know uh, the individual.
0: Me, myself, I'll take the money though, just letting you know.
2: Oh, definitely. (laughs) You know, that's why I've been working in the government at the time for 30 years. And I'm sitting back saying, I got enough leave. Give me the money. But then you had young couples who maybe only been in the government for a shorter amount of time and they don't have the amount of leave built up, but they want to take time off with their children. That's right. more valuable to them than, you know, the money.
0: Look, I remember one time we got this new uh, manager when I was in the government. And we used to get, like, these quarterly awards. And I think they would give you up to, a, like, a $300 bonus if you got it. This Joker presents, well, we're not doing that anymore. But feel free to pick any item in this catalog. And I looked up the value. The value was $35. I was like, man, get out of here. Go somewhere with this stuff, man. we no daggone going $35 option when i could get 300 i mean if i work for it shoot reward me accordingly job turkey i
2: you was know, so and,
0: disappointed
2: and, and it's so it's so funny that you say that i remember um at the end of the year i took i had a staff of 25. okay i said let's go to lunch y'all picked a place and i said my deal is this anything you know you go there anything you want you order and I just won't pay for alcohol. That's what I told him. I said, you know, we go there 25 people. It ran about $600. Okay. To me, that was very minimum, but the benefit to them and how they felt about me taking them out and us taking the afternoon off and 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 eating together and having a good time and laughing and joking, they talked about it for a long time. So yep. it was much greater. It wasn't the cost. Right. I could have taken that I could have taken that six hundred dollars and given each of them. I can't do the math right now, but I could have given them all $25. 25 bucks, yeah. And and just here, here's $25. This is my thank you to you. No, it was the it was the gift of Giving, and that's, that's what I said, getting to know your people. And, yep. and developing relationships is how we find and make ourselves healthy as we look at, at organizations.
0: That's absolutely true because um I remember, again, having a change in management when I was in government. Um, I found that quite often we were talking about, yeah, when so-and-so was here, we used to go out for Christmas. When so-and-so was here, we... <laughs> and, of course, the other ones that were on both ends. They were here around the old, the old management team and the new management team. They were kind of like cowered down because they knew we were right. Because what was happening, as you say, as you speak to it, it was building morale versus. I don't care about you. Just get your work done. Make sure you show up on time. Right. And when I tell a joke, it's funny, right? No, it's not. <laughs> I don't have the relationship with you. There's no rapport with you. So what's going on with Brian Champion? Dr. Brian Champion, what do you got coming up, man? What's going on?
2: Well, um, what's coming up soon? Let's see. For those who uh, follow uh, the federal government, I will be speaking. uh, It's a virtual conference uh, coming up in July. Federally Employed Women Virtual uh, Summit 3. Uh, That will be in July. I will be doing three presentations there. Then in August, and I put in this plug because uh, Sir Charles will be there as well. We're both going to be at the Blacks in Government Conference in uh, Cleveland. Yeah, uh, that's going to be in August. So, hey, for any of you all who come out, I'll be there Monday afternoon. I'm doing two sessions Monday afternoon. Those uh, so Sir Charles, I believe, is Wednesday.
0: And Thursday.
2: Wednesday and Thursday. So, look, you got your whole week planned uh where you can get some uh sir charles and some brian champion uh then what i also do is tell you to be on the lookout watch for me and sir charles as we are planning a clear vision summit yes Uh, in october we're working out the details but we want to put it on your radar
0: yeah Uh, this
2: this is to be something special so yes uh, indeed those are some of the things to look out for uh, you can find me at BrianChampion.com, uh, Brian with a Y, B-R-Y-A-N-C-H-A-M-P-I-O-N.com. Uh, that way you can get in touch with me if, if you'd like, um, and uh, we'd just be happy to hear from you. You can also find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I love when people find me on LinkedIn. I uh, Sometimes I put out little things on LinkedIn, and it's just a good way of uh staying connected
0: absolutely okay fit any closing comments or questions
1: um one last question do you think there's a difference between professional and personal development
2: well i i do think that as we develop our professional lives we are developing our personal life so i think that sometimes there are developmental things that we can do to make ourselves better that are not going to maybe materialize as relevant in professional development it may appear that it's not supporting the skill set that we're that we need for our job but every time we do something to develop ourselves personally we are creating a better professional self so i i i I believe that there, you know, you just can't go wrong with developing yourself. Invest in you. Um, uh, that's just something I think is 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 very important. Every day when you go to bed, find a way to be a better person today than you were yesterday. And if you can follow that model, then you will um, find yourself in a that all of a sudden, 365 days later, you're looking at yourself and say, wow, I can't believe how much I'm in a different place.
0: Yep, there's no better money spent than on you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thank you for that. All right, folks, if you have any comments or questions, today we're speaking to Brian Champion, Dr. Brian Champion. Please, you can still post your comments uh, after the fact, and we will get back to you. We will respond. I want to thank again all of our guests that jumped on to ask questions, and to be a part of our broadcast. And until next time, what's your come up story? Radiate the brain and change the game. We'll see you on the next time.